Hey guys, this is Sean and Toria, and um, we just wanted to start this episode off with a little thank you to you guys. Um, Sean, do you want to elaborate? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> we've got we've been hearing from a bunch of people. Um, hilariously, uh, probably because it was the only it, it like like social media account posted. Uh, in in correlation with this show, a lot of people have been reaching out directly to Jamie, who made our our logo, and like, and that's great. And Jamie's awesome, and you should hire her to do your art. Um, but uh, yeah, she's been passing along just like all of these really nice comments and people saying they found the show, and 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 also special shout out to our first ever monthly supporter uh melissa subscriber out yes she's a subscriber she it's a if you go to you know we say it at the end of every show you go to our anchor.fm page and then you can subscribe and what you know and anyway she's she's our very first one ever and it's super cool and we're we're very very grateful uh that everyone is listening and that people are you know giving up their hard-earned money to support us it's really cool it's really really nice I was going to say every single time we've gotten like a message or a little like fan outreach, um, it like, I mean, it's probably bad because what is it? It's just external validation, but uh, it literally it was so exciting and um, just like so cool. And because we wanted to add this at the beginning of this episode, just because we record a lot in advance and we wanted to kind of keep up with what was going on in real time. So um, yeah. 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 No, so- we felt it was important to acknowledge that we we see you, we hear you, and it genuinely, uh, in a in a probably very unhealthy way, makes us both feel better about ourselves. So, um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this podcast. That ultimately um, is really just about a thing that we have nothing to do with. <laughs> so that's um, cool too. It's cool. All right. Yeah. I guess. Really cool. I guess. We'll All right. And in. now the real beginning of the episode. The blushing girl from blushing. Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Hello, and welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about The Nanny, the hit sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. Uh, I am Shondi Pasquale, here with Toria Sheffield. Hi, Toria. Hello. No relation to the titular Mr. Sheffield. And we're going to talk about The Nanny, a show that we both love. And this is episode nine of the podcast and also season one, episode nine of The Nanny personal business um this episode much like the last one was written by fran drescher and her husband um who co-created the show with fran uh peter mark uh, jacobson i guess ex-husband now but husband at the time peter mark jacobson um and it's an interesting episode uh it's a <laughs> it's a very interesting episode um I don't think we could do it today. Um, <laughs> Let's cover some of the, the yeah, larger yeah. themes. Um, yeah. Well, assault. I'll quickly say <laughs> <laughs> sexual assault, um, human Pimping. trafficking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, but, oh, just, just to center us, I'm going to say this, watch? Is the epi- this, <laughs> this is the episode, by the way, where Fran goes on a date with a famous soap opera star. Yes, Fran. Um, Fran dates a. That's the whole. That's the whole episode. She goes on a date with a famous soap opera star, played by uh, Stephen Nichols, who is a real life famous soap opera star. He was on 
Days of Our Lives and like a hundred other soap operas. I looked him up because I was like, who is this guy must be somebody from the 90s that I'm just not recognizing. And and he is. He he was on like um I think Bold and Beautiful, Days of Our Lives. Like he's on like yeah, every I, soap opera in the 90s. I have some info about him later when we get a little more into it that was fascinating. Um, but yes, he Stephen Nichols plays Brock Storm. Yes. Um, yes. Star <laughs> star of one day one after day, another. Yes. One day after another, which by the way, is a great parody name for a soap opera. And I might, uh, I might use that in things when I need like fake TV show names. Cause I just think it's great. And it'd be a nice like homage to the nanny, a thing that I clearly love a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, and this whole episode, it, well, it's called personal business because it starts with everybody around the breakfast table as usual. And basically, Fran gets a call on Mr. Sheffield's business line. She gets a call from Val where they're literally just gossiping, yeah. which causes Mr. Sheffield to miss an important call from Japan. And I was like, yeah. why is a Broadway producer getting important business calls from Japan. But I don't know. Maybe there's some investor there. Who knows? Don't That's have what to I assumed. I assumed because he's always looking for money, which also doesn't make sense because they live extravagantly. But he's always looking for investors for his... They, they play him like a producer with a ton of money who you normally in real life, I think, would just be an investor in musicals, you know? But he's, for some reason, never spending his own money on these things. He's always like, we need to impress the investors, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's what, ha what's happening in, in, in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so he misses this call from Japan, yeah. which, you know, um, causes Mr. Sheffield to set this firm line yeah. at the beginning of the episode. He's like, personal and business will now be separate in this house. Like, I don't want you, Miss Fine, getting any of your personal calls here. I don't want you talking about personal, like this is purely professional. Yeah. Um, and there was also in this scene, I said, I wrote, ew, gross, vic gross Victoria's Secret Niles masturbation joke. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. was, yeah. A right comes off in the bat. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's so weird, dude. Um, well, it's just this weird, it's this weird um, dynamic where like Fran is wearing this robe. And she's like, oh, I got it from Victoria's Secret. And Brighton goes, can I have the catalog? Which already is like gross for a kid to say around the breakfast table. But then Niles goes, you can have it once I'm finished. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, I mean, there's like a you're little like, girl at this table. You're like, like oh, I guess, I guess all the men in this house are just fucking jerking it to, to Victoria's <laughs> Secret catalog. <laughs> like, what? And sharing the catalog, passing it around. <laughs> Man, what so we did, what we did pre-internet, you know. <laughs> now everyone can just keep it to themselves. Um, but it, there's but again, also this episode. Oh, go on. Th there's also a a, a, a setup. Um, this weird kind of C-plot where Fran and Maggie are wearing the same clothes throughout the episode. Like it starts in this first scene, Fran and Maggie are both dressed in the same bathrobe and they don't really acknowledge it too much. Just that like she, I guess she likes her style and so she's dressing like her now. I guess so. I didn't even fully notice that. But what I did notice is the outfit that Fran wears in our promo illustration is in this episode. Did you notice that? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, and, the, there's a, the, and there's a whole conversation about the fur and yeah. Yeah. Well, so basically, you know, Mr. Sheffield sets this boundary 
Um, and and basically in the next scene, Fran saunters in and is like, oh, I'm taking greasy shopping. Um, I need some money, which which I thought, wow, that must be great to just go just ask for yeah. money and get it. But anyway, and while she's in his office, she yeah. finds out that he, that uh, Mr. Sheffield and Cece are looking for a star for their latest production and that they are going to be auditioning Brock Storm, the famous soap opera star. And Fran like completely loses it. Um, she's yeah. like, and you know, Mr. Sheffield doesn't even know who he is, um, which, which actually led to uh, one of my favorite lines where she's like, he he's so famous. Stars Deli already named a sandwich after him, the Brockwurst. And Mr. Sheffield goes, "My God, I've eaten him. He is good." <laughs> and it was so silly and like played earnestly. He wasn't he wasn't saying yeah. it sarcastically. <laughs> um, but and she's like she's like he's so good when he cries, snot comes out of his nose. <laughs> so you know it's established that she is just like you know weak at the I knees mean- for this famous soap opera star. Knows that is one of the ways that I do identify a really good actor or actress. <laughs> to be fair, it is. If I see someone crying and I like, I see like snot coming out of their nose on a, on like a movie or TV, I'm always like, wow, commitment. Yeah, sometimes it's what was that? Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes to handle. it's too much. Well, yeah. In um, in uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Leonardo oh. DiCaprio does it too much. There's too much, too much spit and snot. Like every scene, he's like, and it's like just like everywhere. Too much, too much. Great performance, a little too much snot. But anyway, that's for my What's Eating Gilbert Grape podcast. What's Eating Sean about Gilbert Grape? We'll yep. do that. Plug that in the future. There's a lot I could say that I just I'll, I won't say right now. I did not think you were going to go for the performance where he's playing a um, disabled boy. Mentally, um, mentally disabled boy. It was just too much. It felt like it felt like it felt like parody of disabled person with that um, much snot. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> um, well, but okay. So basically, Brock Storm comes over to the house. He auditions for Mr. Sheffield and Cece, and they love him. And Fran briefly walks in and gets yeah. to have an exchange with him. And, you know, she clearly is very charming, and she compliments him, and he kisses her hand. And, you know, they clearly have this, you know, a little bit of energy and spark between them. And so she goes upstairs, and this is when this episode takes – I have in all caps, this took a dark turn – but by yeah. 1993 standards, apparently really funny turn. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> just hilarious. We're just the, like a, we're bro- <laughs> a wacky, like a wacky turn of events where like he's like, I'll do your play, but only if I can have her. <laughs> yes. I can have the nanny. Yeah. And Mr. Sheffield doesn't even understand it at first. He's like, you know, so so Brock says that and leaves. And Mr. Sheffield's like, why doesn't he get his own nanny to watch his kids? Yeah. And they're like, and, and Cece and Niles look at each other knowingly. And they're like, that's not what he means, yeah. sir. Um, and um, just a quick thing about the actor. We, we talked a little bit about him, Stephen Nichols. Um, from IMDb, it says... He left his hometown of Dayton, Ohio, traveled west, not in search of fame and fortune, but to become a monk. He landed in Hollywood at the Self-Realization Fellowship Temple, where he studied yoga, cooked vegetarian meals for the residents, and lived a monk's life, preparing to enter the ashram. After three years of deep meditation, celibacy, and a steady diet 
of the films of Truffaut, Bergman, and Casa. <laughs> I'm saying this wrong. Casavet. I don't even want to say it. Casavetes. Casavetes. Nichols realized being a monk was not his path. <laughs> And then he becomes a soap opera star. Wow. What a life. And it all leads to this role where he's like, yeah, I'll play a sexual assailant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Why he, not? You know, it's, it's just like real life, guys. <laughs> and yeah. And I think just like, you know, in like a post Harvey Weinstein world, it is just unfathomable, unfathomable. that this that this would just be, you know, oh, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> what a fu- what a funny thing to ask for. It's no, you know, she it's literally just- like the button on this is that she's like, I kicked him in the balls. Like that's basically the uh, the end of this. She's like, he can hit really high notes now, and they're like, wow, wow, wee wah. She really got him. <laughs> and it's like, yes. why would he? No, he should be in prison. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he like forces himself so- on her in the car. Well, here's the thing. So he he leaves and, you know, and is like, that's my – those are my terms. I basically – you got to pay me a lot of money and yeah. I get the, your nanny. But the thing is, instead of this being like, oh, God, that guy's an asshole. We don't want anything to do with him. The next part of the episode is Mr. Sheffield agonizing about whether or not he should actually – hand over Fran for sex. Um, And Cece is like, oh, Maxwell, like this is how the business works. Like that's Hollywood. Um, And actually another really weird line where she can, and she was like, and Fran clearly is obsessed with him. Like if anything, we're doing her a favor, you know, that, you know, setting them up on this date. And Mr. Sheffield goes, all right, I'll do it, but I won't like it. At which point yeah. Cece goes, where have I heard that before? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, wait, so does Cece like force Mr. Sheffield to do super weird stuff yes, in bed? Is that the implication? Yes, that is the implication there. It seems like it was. <laughs> I can't imagine what else she would have been implying, but I wrote the same note. I wrote, whoa, what fucked up <laughs> section do they do? Because <laughs> what are they doing? What are they doing that her response to that would be, oh, <laughs> I'll do it, but I I've won't heard like. that before. I've heard I'll do it, but I, I like wh- what else could he possibly? What's the scenario where Mr. Sheffield would have said to Cece, I'll do it, but I won't like it? Yeah, it's what? also very, very not sex positive, very, very kink shamey. Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff happening there. But so the thing is, this episode, the way that it kind of toes the line between conceptually delving into dark territory, but like weirdly not feeling dark is. Basically, they bring Miss. They they bring Fran in, and they're like, "Would you want to go on a date with him?" And she's like, yeah. "Oh, are you kidding? You're making my dreams come true." And then she's like, yeah. "Wait a second, is this some sort of like weird business exchange where he's not going to agree to do the show unless he can, you know, be with me?" And they're like, "Ah," and she's like, "It's fine," and leaves. Yeah. So it's like suddenly nobody else is like morally culpable no. because we've he's established that Fran doesn't care. She's yeah. so thrilled to go on a date with this guy. So that that. <laughs> scene is the same one where she's wearing the outfit that we use in our logo that was drawn by the great uh, Jamie Scout Gallery who you should check out Jamie Scout Gallery on uh, Mm -hmm, Instagram mm -hmm. but um, that scene so so there's a thing that happens in that scene that reminded me of like the cultural shift from the 90s to now which is so Cece makes a comment Fran walks in wearing matching fur hat and, and an outfit and Cece says, Nanny, fine, a synthetic fur. How very PC of you. Like insulting the fact that it's not real fur, right? And Fran goes, what? And Cece goes, PC is in politically correct. Um, and it, it's so funny to me how like she's 
she's using like the PC thing as like a dig because it was like, oh, you're PC, you know, which like, I don't think, I don't think that's what you would frame this as now. Like, I think like you would flip it the other way where it would be Fran digging on CC for not wearing synthetic fur. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, Although I guess I would argue that that also speaks to the like bubble that we're in because I'm sure there's lots of people who would, um, would still, Roll their eyes at something. Roll their eyes. Oh, just another PC culture moment. Um, Like, I I think that definitely still exists. But I was more struck by the fact that um, Fran didn't know what PC meant. Like, that's how new to the sort of cultural zeitgeist it was, where when CC says, how PC, she's like, huh? Yeah. Um, And then she goes, PC isn't politically correct. And she goes, oh, it's actually JC isn't Penny. And then Fran goes, your outfit's nice too. And CC goes, of course, dear. It's Adolfo. And Niles goes, as in Hitler. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, So good, my friend. Oh, I'll say this. Um, The fact that Fran is wearing synthetic fur – is important to Fran Drescher in real life because one of the first, apparently one of the first times the like the character Fran gets political about anything is I'm not sure if it's in this season or if it's in the next, but she as a character comes out and says like I would never real I would never wear real fur. Um, oh. And Fran Drescher in real life is you know very anti animal cruelty. Um, cool. She, I think she might, you know, uh, be a spokesperson for PETA. So that is something Sweet. that is like, you know, personal to her um, in that little exchange. Interesting. Well, it makes it even more interesting that they're using Fran as a device to introduce the term PC to the audience of this show. Because yes. she wrote uh, this so- episode. So, so clearly she wrote this episode going, oh, we should start to get this in there. Like, because why even make that comment about like, oh, you're wearing synthetic fur? Like, so clearly she's like putting her beliefs into this script just to get them in there, you know? Yes. Like already. So she's very pro-animal welfare, very neutral on um, uh, sex politics. On human trafficking and sex (laughs) politics. Um. (laughs) Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Because, well, what, so okay, so she goes on a date with this guy, and she's like so thrilled, and she doesn't even care that it's you know she's being used. Um, but the thing is, she thinks he's going to be this like charming, uh, sophisticated guy who yeah. mimics this character that he plays on TV. And yeah. lo and he behold, sucks. yeah, he sucks. He's completely self-involved. All he does is look in the mirror and like ask her questions about like, should I part my hair on the left or the right? Which, again, it's like. She thought he was going to be this charming guy that she sees on TV, but she goes into it knowing that he's asked for like her in exchange for doing a part on a TV on like a play. So like you would think that she'd be able to judge his character a little bit better just based on that, that whole exchange. But she does not. She's just flattered initially. She's flattered and excited. Completely flattered. 
But I will say this. So it's like, you know, it's a scene where they're in a limo. They've clearly just had dinner. He's literally looking at himself in a mirror. She's obviously bored out of her mind and thinking like, oh, this guy is like nothing like I expected. And I will say this for the episode. Even though he's being so, you know, gross and aggressive and kind of handsy and saying he, you know, and and literally she's like, pull over here. That's my, that's my address to the driver. He's like, no, no, no. Keep driving. Like with the implication that he's not going to let her leave when she wants to leave. You never get the sense that Fran can't handle herself, which is another way that this particular episode somehow magically toes this line between like, we intellectually know what's going on is really messed up, but like I never felt like sicked out in my stomach because it was always it always felt like Fran was in the driver's seat because that's just the strength yeah. of her character. But mm-hmm. again, none of this stuff should have been happening. Um, but and sure enough, you know, even though he's being gross, we we do find out, you know, at the end of this episode, she sort of she gets home late late that night, and Mr. Sheffield's clearly waited up for her because he's secretly been worried and and jealous. And yeah, her last line is like, "Yeah, he's going to hit those high notes." So we we clearly know that like he got what he deserved yeah. in terms of and she then, kicked him in the balls. And then Brighton goes, "Does that mean she kicked him in the?" And then they're like, "Good night, Brighton." And they're yes. like, "Which which again is like, yeah." Yeah, don't let him say kicked him in the balls, but like it's cool. They're like, all right, go upstairs and read your Victoria's Secret, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, something that should not be overlooked through all of the really disgusting, um, uh, (laughs) problematic stuff is that this episode does sort of further the um, relationship and dynamic between Fran and Mr. Sheffield. I wrote the same thing. It's so funny. I wrote, ooh, we get a little uh, movement on the Fran uh, Sheffy romance build. Yes, um, because when she leaves for the date, Mr. Sheffield is literally like watching from the window, clearly very agitated. And Niles looks at him and says, sir, are you worried they're going to have a bad time or a good time? Yeah. Um, you know, he's clearly picking up on the fact that there is some je- an undercurrent of jealousy happening. Um, and um, when she does get home and she's you know, that night and she's clearly totally fine and she is like, you know, that guy was a jerk, um, you know, oh, well, um, they do have this this little moment between them, I think, where I, yeah. I, for, I forget what it is, but it's like they share a look. It's clearly a little charged and then they just kind of blow past it. Um, yep. But it, th- that is deepening here. Yeah, no, definitely. They're definitely <clears throat> starting to lean further into the idea that like these two people have more than a a business relationship building. She's like in with the family. Everyone loves her. And there are, you know, feelings developing. Um, yeah. It, it was actually this really cute moment because she gets home and Mr. Sheffield is asleep in a chair in his pajamas. And then he wakes up and she's like, yeah. oh, Mr. Sheffield, did you wait up for me? And he's like, oh, what? What? No, no. I, I was just reading a book. And then we see Brighton has also fallen asleep in his pajamas. And he goes, D- is she home yet? <laughs> so they clearly both been waiting up for her. But Mr. Sheffield yeah. was like too um, embarrassed to admit it, um, which I thought really was a cute. very cute little beat. Um but yeah, that his uh, that was really a complicated episode from a 2021 standpoint. <laughs> it was, it was, and ultimately kind of a light episode, I think overall. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I had a couple of. Do you, should we do? Should we move into uh, segments? 
And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> wow. All right. So, funny lines. My, yeah. I, I had, I had two. I had, um, I forget. I don't even remember what the scene is. But Niles, Mr. Sheffield calls Niles, and Niles comes in holding like a tray full of like drinks. And Mr. Sheffield says, "Niles, what took you so long?" And, and Niles just goes, "I fell." <laughs> Which I, yes, I thought was the, the dude. It's not even like a funny one-liner. It's just so funny that that's his response. Is I fell. It's so sarcastic and like catty. <laughs> but the thing is, we know as an audience that he didn't fall. He was literally watching TV right before that moment. So the lie comes so quickly to him. And I just wrote, Niles is such a catty bitch. <laughs> I have that exact line. <laughs> and he's holding a plate of like clean freshly poured drink so clearly he didn't fall <laughs> like what it's so good uh, no, i i, so I have that moment written and my favorite <sighs> line is the one that comes literally a minute before that where he is watching a, so- a soap opera with fran and the kids i think the one that you know brock storm is on and mr sheffield calls like niles from the other room and niles goes oh as if I have nothing better to do than, than be at his beck and call. And Fran's like, as if we're his servants. And then they look at each other and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other um, favorite line is at some point she's got Val in Fran in over at the house. And Val comes out of the closet and she goes, oh, what a walk. And if it had a bathroom, you could sublet. And Fran goes, did you smell the padded potpourri hangers? And Val goes, please, I took an antihistamine. <laughs> Which also got such a good chuckle out of me. Please, I had to take an antihistamine. Yeah. <laughs> so because she spends so much time smelling the hangers. <laughs> ah, it's so good. I love no. it. Yep, yep. Um, <sighs> and then for our trivia slash correction times, um, I realized that um, there was something a uh, episode or two ago where I had said like, oh, and then like the, uh, the live audience goes crazy. And then I was like, well, I actually don't even know if it was a live audience. So I wanted to clear that up early on in the first yes. couple seasons. Yes, it was a live audience um, filmed uh, at a studio in Culver City here in L.A. Um, but then eventually the costume changes and quote fantasy sequences got too elaborate. And oh that's when they stopped. So uh, yeah, what? we have that to look forward to. What are we in for in the future seasons? <laughs> I'm really enjoying this well-grounded show. <laughs> I, I hope there's not too much fantasy secrets. <laughs> Fran sitting on Santa's lap. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Easter Bunny comes in. Yep. Um, um, and, yeah. This yeah. was an episode. What else? Who's the Fran? Who's the Cece of oh, this wait, episode? Well, quickly, oh, quickly, quickly get it. Oh, Yiddish. yeah, so Yiddish. What's our two, Yiddish phrase? Don't sound too excited. No, no. Um, two, there's two things. The first yeah. thing is um, when Cece is trying to sort of butter Fran up for this date before that, before they find out that she's actually like more than willing to do it, yes. she goes, Fran, Franny, Franala. So <laughs> for those who don't know, when you add Allah at the end of a name in Yiddish, that means beloved little so it's like yeah. i grew up with people calling me tortilla yeah. um 
they call my cousin Jenna Jen a lot. Yeah, and- Shaunala. I was my grandma called me Shaunala. And yeah. also sometimes Bubbala and also sometimes Tatala. But all of those things mean like loving. Yeah, so the little pet name in Yiddish. Yeah. But um so that was something I just wanted to call out. That's not even the word for the day. But the the uh day the word is uh I I I never even heard this before, so I think I'm gonna say it wrong. Shmugagay. Shmugagay? Shmugagi. 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 Which is yep. Yiddish for baloney nonsense when you're yeah. full of hot air. A bunch air. of you're full of shmegegi. It's yeah. It's like uh. It's like yeah. You, it's nonsense. It's a uh, you know. He's he's a he's a meaningless uh, hokum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So there. Yeah. We got we got two this week. And then- also, sometimes oh. it's used as like um. Uh, a, a loser too. You know, oh, like. Okay. Like, oh, he's a real schmageggy, which is like, he's a real, like, just like kind of petty, like a uh, nitwit, you know? Oh, okay. Schmageggy. Um, okay. So I think it, I think it has multiple connotations, maybe like depending on how, like depending on the context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm, wow. Mm-hmm. You are a real schmageggy expert. I'm a real Yiddish uh, cup. <laughs> um, And so I feel like I've been getting really bad with the Fran or the CC um, just because <laughs> As I predicted in our pilot episode, that this would be an impossible task to do 147 times. I mean, okay. Would you go on a date with somebody who you had a huge crush on in a situation like this? Yeah. Yeah, I would too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would. I, I like... Yeah, totally. If someone was like, hey, uh, we're trying to cast this actress in this thing, but she like was really interested in you and wants to like go out on a date, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go on a date with this actress. Cool. And, but here's I mean, the thing. I would not, if like, it was someone gross, if someone was like, well, all our funding depends on this, but like you have to, you know, go on a date with this disgusting person, I would well, not do it. So it's just yeah, it's but, being very hypocritical. But it's um, one for one in this sense where she doesn't know he's gross going in. I mean, like, you know, they could be like, hey, go on a date with Scarlett Johansson. And then I'm like, cool. She seems like really like beautiful and like, that'd be a fun thing. And then she's like an asshole. You know what I mean? Like that would be like the equivalent. And then I'd be like, ooh, this was gross. And I don't want to, I don't like this person. Well, <laughs> and know? here's the other thing I will say as, as much as we were saying this episode, like was really shady. Mr. Sheffield makes it very clear. Even as she's heading out the door, you don't owe this person anything. So, yeah, so they're he doesn't not expect, like. No, he yeah. doesn't expect her to like do him. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's a little ambiguous. I think at first it's like, wait, wait, are, is it that, you know, that plot line from like Mad Men where like, you know, <laughs> Joan's going to make partner if she has sex with this guy. It's not as clear as that. We're like, oh, it, it might just be go on a date and charm him. And Joan was always too good for that. <sighs> Poor Joan. I mean, it was, oh, that's actually a great one. Uh, if John Hamm um, demanded me. <laughs> <laughs> to to go out with him for something i think i would i have no yeah, but, integrity oh but my John god Hamm doesn't seem like a bad person at all from all accounts he seems like a very nice man you know he touched my lower back once oh inappropriately um uh no i thought or like, it was or, just... or rather needlessly like could he have done <laughs> it without touching your back okay he absolutely could have and mm. i was i was 
over the moon until um, it's when I worked at this audio uh, post-production place. And then the sound engineer who he was working with, who was like a 45 year old man came out during a break and was like, Oh, John Hamm is the nicest, but what a back toucher. Am I right? So uh, clearly he was touching everybody's, everybody's back, back, men's mm-hmm. included. And it really okay. knocked the, the air out of my sails. True. Makes it less creepy too. If he's just a back toucher, yeah, I, no, would not, a- I would not like that. I would be like, John Hamm, I'm sorry, please don't touch me. Thank you. I don't like to be touched by. Yeah, no. I mean, you know what? Maybe this. Maybe from all this conversation, I'm realizing I'm the CC. I'm so gross. I'm not even like that upset. If if you like, we're gonna set me up with John Ham on a date, and it was like, well, there we go. Change. I guess I'm the CC. Done. I'm I'm friend. You're CC this episode. You hear to hear first, folks. (sighs) Uh, what else we got? Uh, That is all. I think we covered it. it. Wow. This. You know what? Like I said, pretty light episode overall. Not not in my top uh, five, I don't think. Even though I think this is like the fifth episode. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. No, it's not. It's not. It's the ninth. Um, it's not. It, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was an okay episode, but I felt that like ultimately this show is at its strongest when it's about the family and less when it's about um, like – some weird forced plot, you know, like external mm-hmm. plot, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I get that they wanted to do something that would showcase his feelings for Fran, but I feel like there was probably alternative ways to get the audience there without, without having it to feel quite so, um, so like forced really, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, but what are I you going to do? That's, that's it. I mean, yeah, we can't, we can't, they can't all be our number one. They can't all be our number one. There's all, um, you know, there's one and only means one and only. <laughs> we know that uh, you're only the number one podcast is uh, this podcast. Oh, Mr. Sheffield, which you're probably listening to on your chosen uh, platform. And that's great. And please like, and subscribe and leave a comment if that's the thing that you can do there. And also you can check us out on anchor.fm slash the nanny pod, where you can leave us a message. Uh, or a fun impression of one of the characters from this TV show, or any TV show, really. Uh, we're desperate for attention. So leave us a message there. Yeah. And if you want to find us on social media, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Sean Wrights. And Toria, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, Toria Sheffy, uh, two Fs and a Y. And yes, anything you guys can do to share, like, subscribe, all that stuff, it, it helps us so much and we so appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. And that's an episode of uh, the podcast. Bye. Bye. The blushing girl from blushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine.